0: And it's Arundel who will bring it away. Not right out
1: of danger yet, though. Praise it for holding the ball. The crowd have just gone off. Oh, don't touch me! A goal. Oh, oh, oh.
2: No, kidding me. Oh, I think that's Luke Ball. Luke Ball has just... It's the goal of the day. It might even be the goal of the year. ball its just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot? at goal! It's against spice. It's smashed! He's picked it. Up.
3: Welcome to the Eastland Weekend Recovery. Forest Hill calls a boil over at home against Kilsyth. Fair Park and Warrenite Keep their seasons alive with close wins yesterday in Division 3 and will make it three in a row in Premier Division. I'm Ryan Long, Media Manager of the Eastern Football Netball League. Joined this morning by Josh Ward, Wayne Brasher and Scott Hardy. Scott and Josh weren't there yesterday, but um, I think you were out Greensboro yesterday. Yes,
0: I was out in Greensboro for, uh, for, the, nor- for the Northern League and well, still keeping an eye on plenty of, of, on all the results around the grounds. And there were a couple of surprising ones uh, and plenty of discussion today, I reckon.
1: Yeah, and uh, I was just sitting on the couch uh, admiring and wishing I was at local <laughs> footy. So, no, I'm looking forward to, to chatting with it about it today.
3: Absolutely. And Brash, we were out at H.E. Parker yesterday afternoon for uh, a, a lot to talk about on that game, Tim. So we're very impressive in the end.
2: Yeah, they were. And I think they've, they might have actually... Um, Clearly, yes, they, not clearly, but I think they put their hand up to be the probably the third best team in Division 2 at this particular stage of the season.
3: Yeah, certainly a lot to discuss there. And we'll start with Division 2, uh, with Baronia having a big win over Mulgrave, 15-16, 106, defeated the line 6-5-41. And on the line, we have the senior coach of the Baronia Football Club, Matt Clark. Uh, Clarkie, congrats on win number eight for the season. The group's flying at the moment, going into the bye.
4: Yeah, good morning, everyone. Yeah, we... Um we're really pleased with the way we've got through to, to the bye and uh, the halfway point of the season, eight and one, and um, you know it's it's fallen the way we want it to fall at the moment, and we've it's not without challenges along the way, but I think um, yeah, as we take a breath and just reassess, where we're we're really happy at the moment.
3: And what was your assessment on the game yesterday out at Tormore? Um, Fairchild's best game for the season had pretty good con- contribution from many on the scoreboard there with a few multiple goal scorers not just Robertson and playing a, a Mulgrave side who are certainly looking to keep their season alive
4: yeah Mulgrave have always caused us um trouble and it's just the way they go about it. I think they're really um hard working side and going into the game it was a little bit um I, as a coach I was a little bit on edge just not knowing where we were at seven and one and um probably were we looking ahead for the break before it was going to come we knew we had to take care of business and we focused on that as a key theme for the week but I thought the way we've been moving the ball um, certainly since the Ringwood loss the the way we've just been able to um, get back to where we were early in the season um, moved a couple of players around positionally I thought Mitch Mellis, Jake Mellis, Hayden Stanley etc in the midfield really gave us first use of it yesterday and um, you know, we're able to convert. We've got many options up forward. And it was just about how we could uh, keep it in, lock it in, and play a high high press on on Mulgrave, and we're able to execute in all key stats it was just the only disappointing part I think is it's another game where we kick more points and goals and we'll just keep working on being more efficient in front of goals as the season goes on
3: and how key is that sort of midfield group and obviously you mentioned a few there Stanley's had a really strong few weeks um, uh, in the senior side and you know even someone like a Ryan White is is playing more on the wing this year and you've got uh, guys in the twos that are really strong midfielders and you've got so much depth in that area of the ground how handy is that for you as a coach?
4: Oh, it's probably the one of the most um, key area that we addressed from last year to this year and you're right like we've got Dylan Dower and other senior players in the development team at the moment who are, you know, I think Dylan's probably got five of the last six best on grounds in the development team. Um, Strong push in this case but the, that's caused a lot of internal pressure for, for the players to just make sure they're on, train well and, and perform well and that's what's making us a better team this year. I, I think um, you touched on our wings too pushing Ryan out of the middle, Ryan White, um, to to a wing, etc. He's had an outstanding season, as as the other wingers also say. Yeah, it's a key part of what we're doing. We know that um, it was a key area that we need to address. And I think, you know, the the players, whoever ran through them, we've run different players in different scenarios every week. Um, So we're not trying to get set on just one combination. We know that's going to be easy to uh, unpack for the opposition. So yesterday, like the week before, we didn't use Begley in there at all. Um, We brought him in there spasmodically yesterday. And having Mitch Malice, we played him on the wing for a period yesterday too, just to see what that looked like. Um, Not over-experimenting, but just having those real good ball-getters touching it so many times certainly makes a big difference to us.
0: Matt Josh Ward here. Great to be chatting with you once again. It's not just your midfield that's really stood up; it's been your defence as well. You're, you're the number one defence in in the division now. That you know it must be really pleasing to to know that your defence each and every week will it will stand up against really strong strong attacks, uh, uh really strong attacks each week.
4: Absolutely, uh, we we've been well since I've been at the club that's been our number one focus to defend well and be hard to score against and we didn't want to lose that facet of our our game um as we brought in a more attacking style and a a more aggressive approach to to scoring so uh, like our back six is solid but we we defend up up really high now so it's our midfield and forwards who are able to lock the ball in our backs like our, our back six is um, albeit they've had a couple of disruptions with personnel, they're, they're super strong. Anyone we bring into that area of the ground know what they're going to do. Um, and they, to be fair to them, they springboard a lot of our attacks too, so they defend first. But once we get the footy, they're, they're our key runners. We do have GPS on our, on our back six and, and to be fair, they are the hardest running or, or most kilometres per game area of our ground.
1: Matt, it's Scott Hardy here, a strong win against Mulgrave and obviously to this date, one loss and that's just to, to Ringwood. Was that just a, a blip on the radar and, and obviously a note to the lads to sort of, you know, keep focus? It's a, it's obviously a tight competition so you have to be on each week, don't you?
4: Yeah, absolutely. We, we've won probably four or five games by under two goals too so we, we're under no illusions that the competitions even and when we're off, um, we're definitely gettable as is, I believe, all the sides. I think it is even enough that um, you know, if you come in with the wrong mindset, et cetera. To, full credit to Ringwood, um, but they came in with a game plan and um, you know, we weren't at our best, but they didn't allow us to be at our best either. So I thought it was, you know, as a coach, um, openly and honestly, I think, you know, that was a really good time for us to reassess, look at things that we probably weren't looking at close enough. And um, yeah, the two games after that we've we've got back to where we really wanted to, which is like that round two, three four.
1: And and is there has there been aside from obviously Ringwood challenging you there have you found sort of other opposition that sort of surprised you with how they they've really challenged you and and had the boys sort of refocus and and get the win?
4: Yeah, we, like as I said, like we've been challenged by a lot of sides. Templestowe, Heathmont. We're in front um, probably for three three and a half quarters against us both time uh, each time each time. But um, you know we've just found a way, and I think me focusing on just us as much as we can and making sure that we've got a fair bit of belief about where we're going in the process and that we're a fit side and that we can run games out and I think we've proven it in the first half of the season that our we we had a brutal pre-season and and a real focus on high running um, and fitness so I I think we've got a real belief that we're never out of a game And, and even if I think back to Heathmont, where we were were all but gone, Um, and Temple State too. Like, we we only hit the front at the 27 minute mark of the last quarter, but I think we just play a brand of footy that's you know, you've got to play four quarters and and the whole 120 minutes to beat us.
2: Morning, Matt Brash. How are you, my friend?
4: Good, Brash. Thank you. Uh,
2: Just a couple of keep KPIs that uh, that I do on all the sides uh, in. in this division and every uh, and in every grade, um, one of the things that I've uh, earmarked at the moment is the consistency of, of of the playing group, you've won 26 quarters out of um, 36 so far this year and your scoring differentials quarter by quarter, um, 107 for the first quarter, 230 for the second, 310 in the third, and 404. So it seems like to me that the way the, the club is running at the moment, the consistency level's there, but it also indicates to me that the fitness and the levels are really standing up at this time of the season as well.
4: Yeah, and as I go back to the pre-season, and, and even now in-season, the way we... Uh, to our running on Tuesday, et cetera, is just to keep that fitness level really high. I think um, we lost a lot of games last year and, and limped into the finals. And they were all based on last quarter fade-outs where we had control of the game and we just couldn't couldn't defend it well enough and we weren't fit enough to defend it, to be fair. So it's been a high focus. And it's those stats, Brash, really reinforce, um, we're aware of them, they really enforce the fitness level that we've got at the moment. I'd like to see that first quarter turn around even better because I think once we hit the scoreboard and we get a lead, yeah, um, that, that'll that'll be our next improvement area for sure.
2: I think one of the other things too, Matt, when, just uh, going back to what you talked about when... Where you said I'm looking at some different players and and giving them five minutes in maybe uh, on a wing or off a half bank, I almost get the impression having a look at that the, the uh, your playing midfield group, you'd you'd almost I'd almost say that you're probably looking at having ten to twelve players rotating through that um, that that fifty meter arc in the uh, in in the centre for most of the afternoon and the fact that you have options, um, you'd be able to throw plays in any of one of those nine positions?
4: Yeah, and and we're not being disrespectful to the opposition by doing that. We we really want to make sure that we're... um we've got everything covered if we do get an injury or if anything and to be fair like a lot of our midfielders are our key goal kickers too so um you know some weeks we'll just use them as a an offensive weapon up forward and then other weeks we need to get them to defend and play midfield for us and, and play roles in the middle so I think when, when you talk and we haven't even used Luke Hannon as a midfielder no. uh, as, as such yet we've used him in the ruck at a necessity but um Pretty much, you know, we've used him as a centre forward most weeks when Nooper and Josh Hannon have been available.
2: But in fair, in, but in fairness, though, Matt, the whole idea is to try and build up, a, is to try and build up a, a, a massive core of um, of. Of midfielders and on-ballers, because in a, in a final series, when the when you need that extra run in that in that second half, that's when when the depth of having those players really comes to the fore. So I actually see more of that as as a positive, um, for your club as against maybe against others who really can only afford to run you know six and seven in there. I, I think that's an advantage, don't you think?
4: Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I, I would. Openly say that I don't think we've got a player on our ground Um, in the starting 22 each week that couldn't play two positions. Um, You know, like even as to be fair, like Jared Lake down back is, you know, probably a key fullback in the competition. He can, um, I can play him up forward at any stage and he'll kick goals. I know he will. Um, So we've got everything. But yeah, you're right. You don't want to have someone sit on someone and then it takes away your whole structure and game plan. Um, and, And to be, just relying on one or two people to, to deliver such heavy results every week leaves us acceptable in big games, whether it be finals or um, even home and away big games. It, it, so we're really trying to be um, not in that position to be vulnerable like that. We want to have as much depth and as much flexibility as we can. And it's a key focus and a key strategy that we're, we've are we implemented. And to be fair, we've got the personnel that we can do it with too.
2: Matt, you've been in this competition for a many long time where you've coached at one turn south and, and um, have also... At, at baronia and look you have your own core values as a as a coach on what you set your own benchmark but are you excited of the of the fact that this playing group has actually um, for the want of a better word reinvented matt clark as a, a, and added a bit more dimension to your coaching style it's yourself
4: absolutely like we this whole game style i don't think um, anyone who's come up against a slide that I've coached has probably seen it um, it's a, it's a really high chaos sort of game style where, where it's been pretty um predictable in the way we did. We, we always valued defenses, our number one uh, the value as far as a, a game style did. But I think the way that we're um, we've matured, the way that we're playing, um, you know, we've modernized what we're doing and, and we're really attacked. So I, I'm enjoying it, I'm loving um, working with this group. I, they're really good group of humans but they really listen um, and they're keen to play the style they want to play and to be fair it suits them too um, we've got a, a group of players now that, that are really fit can run um, a good sized and um, strong in their body. Like the first time when I went to Brownie in 2018, they were they were young still. I think we had like 15 players under 21 who won that grand final. Yeah. Now they're all at that 25, 26 year old mark, and they're um, yeah, their bodies are matured. They're really they've played their 100 games, and they're, and they're making good decisions on the ground. But they really buy in on that, our aggressive um, approach to attack, um, without losing, as I said at the start, without losing our key value of defence too. So I think our, our ball pressure and, and what we do around footies like i'm excited i'm to say i'm rejuvenated is probably um unfair because I, I was really keen and passionate like whenever i sign on for another year i, I want success and and i align to the key leaders at the club and, and that's what the players wanted too. so i think they are bought in on it we've shared what we want to do having luke hannon in the coaching group now has been a really yep. um, good spring for me because he's got some fresh ideas too and he's got a great football brain and um I think him on the ground as another coach has made a big difference to what we're doing. Also,
2: finally, finally, from me, Matt. One other question: You've coached in this division for such a long time for an for an aspiring club, and I guess um, I'm using sort of uh, Brett Rowe as an, a bit of an example here in the fact that um, it's this is this division is such a hard division to get promoted out of. Is it? It almost seems like to me that it's almost like you're jockeying for positions and want to finish probably one, two, but sometimes it's one of those clubs from the, the bottom of the, the four or five that gets on a winning streak on that final series. that seems to win the flag. So I'm, I'm wondering, is this, in your eyes, one of the hardest, is the hardest um, division to get promoted
4: out of? Oh, I think they're all hard. If you ask any coach in any division, yeah. they are. They're hard. But yeah, I think um, more than ever this year, I, I, I think the depth and when you talk about the heavy recruiting and, and the, the way that this division has been able to attract um, really significant players. I mm-hmm. look at Mulgrave with Ling John and Fletcher Roberts. And, um, but just not AFL names. I think um, Templestowe has been able to bring 21, 22 players into their list over the last 18 months. Um, you know, Ringwood remain strong, albeit they've got a, a, a probably a lesser... Um, a, They've been weakened a little bit by travel, et cetera, this year, but their their youth coming through, which has been strong for a while, has challenged us. It's it's a hard division to get out. And then you look at Heathmore, who had a ton of injuries last year and been able to uh, get all their good players back on the park. They're hard to play. So I I, I don't care where we finish. I like to be in control of our destiny. When we won it in 2018, we're third. Yep. we're just out to win every game. So what that does, um, if we can win enough games and control our own destiny, that's our key first point. We want to play finals. Where we sit in that, we'll deal with that at the time. But I think um, there's, there's another half a season. And it's and I, I call the June-July period like the real grind because that's yeah. when they go to work and it's dark. They come home and it's dark. It gets wet. It gets cold. And, and these next four to six weeks, how we approach it, how we get through it, Will be key to setting up what what the end of our season sort of looks like.
3: And what's on for the rest of the afternoon for you? Are you off to Marvel to watch the Bombers tonight?
4: Absolutely, go Bombers! <laughs> um, I, I'm not a bandwagon jumper. I followed them all my life. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a tough grind. I'll be honest with it. I through my um, growing up days, it was uh, Premiership after Premiership, and you could always look forward to finals. And as you know, it's been a uh, tough since 2000. And well documented, <laughs> um, <laughs> controversial sort of history for the Bombers, but yeah, I'm, I, I just, I'm really looking forward to just going and watching them today and barracking hard and uh, hopefully get the uh, second win for the weekend through the Bombers. Can you do me a favour though, Matt? You beat you're,
2: you're playing my side, mate. Can you can you only just beat us by thirty points and maybe not by ninety? Uh,
4: essen has been vulnerable over the, over the journey, I'd be take I'd take that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> if, if thirty points was given to me now, I'd take it. I'd take the game even
3: better. <laughs> Clarkey, we really appreciate your time this morning. Always been very generous with your time. And uh, eight and one, a fantastic start to the year for Bronia Enjoy the week off next week, and uh, we'll chat to you later in this season.
4: No worries. Have a great day, guys. Thank you.
3: Thanks, Clarkie. That's the uh, senior coach there of the Baronia Football Club who's um, done a fantastic job uh, with the side and they're flying at the moment, going into the bye with a, a fantastic record and one of the one of the sides to beat. And we saw another one yesterday and um, we'll jump into that game mm-hmm. uh, yesterday out at HE Parker Reserve because it was Templestowe 13-14-92 defeating the Jets 9-6-60. Dean Limbach uh, kicked another five goals yesterday afternoon Blake did the mass seven plus five equals sixteen <laughs> according to him on the broadcast yesterday but he's actually kicked twelve uh, that's what hes that's what he went with yesterday um, he was uh, very strong um, only only had a six or seven <laughs> touches kicked five from it and for Heathmont Stevens kicked four goals and Lake Ting... Lake Tink was listed as their best player, but Brash, we were there yesterday, and it was a really um, strong performance there from the Dockers, and a bit of a statement that they made, especially in that uh, first half. Uh, probably, probably the game was iced by three-quarter time, but their midfield group is really strong, and um, certainly uh, probably gave Heathmont a, a bit, a few things to work on.
2: Yeah, they have, and uh, look, um, take nothing away from uh, from. Uh, from Templestowe, I'm I'm full of merit for Heathmont though, because in that three court in that first three quarters they were entitled to drop off completely when when uh, Templestowe put the acid on them to try and uh, to try and take control of the contest and I think there was three opportunities where they could have they could have buckled but they they stuck to their guns and 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 still and managed to get it back within a, within a margin where they they where they could have launched but unfortunately the sign of a good side is when you when you say you're four or five up in front and then all of a sudden an opposition kick kicks a couple of two or three quick ones and then autom- you automatically think oh well they're going to arrest the momentum here but the sign of a good side is when they when they steady and then all of a sudden they respond within a minute or two of, of the contest and I, that's how it, it basically happened for me yesterday. I thought I think with um, Heathmont what actually what cost them yesterday was the fact that the injuries to their key players that aren't playing yet was the thing that the very thing that hurt them was
1: obviously I, w- I wasn't there, so yep. um, I, 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 and I didn't get really to watch much of it. It's obviously a big third quarter by by Templestone. Heathmont obviously, like you said, had sort of held him, you know, up until that half-time. Was there sort of a noticeable change in that second half from like Templestone, or was it just a drop off by Heathmont? Or?
2: I wouldn't say it was a drop off. A drop off. I just thought it was the bigger bodies and the experienced players that Templestone had running through the midfield. That was that was the key difference when the game needed to be won. Blokes like Fogarty and Toby Ford and and the big ruckman Bo Mishner, mm-hmm. right? Those these are players that have played at the high level and and know what it's like when the when there's a game to be won and and they know that they can lift their performance to another level. And the other thing is too, they've picked up. Um, Obviously, with Cameron Cloak not being able to play, they've recruited Dean Limb back into the side, and what a <laughs> what a, what a what a recruit to get halfway through the season. I mean, the guy's got the Midas touch. He doesn't have to touch. He only has to touch the ball, and it's a goal. Mm. I mean, and you can't. Those sort of players, yeah. they don't grow on trees. he's a Dean Limb back at. So age 36, I believe he said what yep. It's still a major drawback in local football. And it was, once again, it was an absolute delight to actually watch him kick goals yesterday because he just plays like a true full forward.
3: He does, and Scott, He's one of those players where you know a, a lot of you. You watch a lot of football, and you see a lot of people miss these easy set shots and stuff. He doesn't miss. miss. He, he does not miss. He's a very good kick of the football. Leads to the ball really well, and and use that space. And I didn't even think they targeted him that much. They probably could have gone to him a few times. He he led for the ball, and they they chose to go elsewhere. So I would he, think you would, would use you, him as much as you can. If would
2: you, well, I would think I would think Ryan that I think some of the delivery. From the Templestone midfield towards Limbeck wasn't as good as what they, what it should have been. Yeah, I, there was a I, few
3: times um,
2: like they overshot him. They uh, there was at least I could see three occasions where he already had five yards on his opponent out front, and was just a matter of the kick being a lot more well placed in in front of him, but. It they over overshot him. It went over his head, or it went too wide. But I,
1: <laughs> I guess the thing there though is it's sort of probably then a scary prospect. In once they do hone it in and work out, you know, his movements and what he's going to do, then yeah, well, I, how many does he
2: kick? Like I said, I would. I'm I'm not going to pull the trigger yet on Heathmont because, uh, look, a loss for them. This could be a very very um, how do I put it. A very very educational loss for them, yep. because I think they'll probably learn a little bit more, Josh, about their gameplay yesterday and yeah. what they need to do when they get those players back, to fit them into that lineup.
0: Yeah, and I think that's you know we we talk about how sides need those losses during the season, and I think that's that's exactly what it is—a learning curve for Heathmont, and you know they they're obviously still missing players, and you know they could have lost lost by a lot more, I, f- I felt, and. You know, to their credit, they only kept the margin to five goals, which I feel like was a fair reflection of, of Stowe's dominance. But
3: uh, yeah, yeah, and I think that they were really pushing, and they just couldn't get two goals mm. back to back in that no. really that third quarter because it, at halfway through it was ten points of margin, and they were certainly pushing, and we thought maybe they may be even able to run over the top. But um, to, to Stowe's credit, they were uh, the the tougher side in, in the midfield, and were able to capitalize on that.
2: I think. I think the common theme between what Scott Hamill when we were going to him on the boundary line yesterday was the the disposal, um, the, yeah. it, the disposal inefficiency? They just weren't mm. they weren't hitting the targets like they were in previous weeks, and mm. I think that was because of the pressure that Temple State were putting on their ball carriers.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so, and that was listening into pregame as well. That was the one thing that Anthony McGregor wanted that pressure, forcing Heathmont to go down the line. And but in,
2: but in terms of Heathmont's season. Uh, there's they're, they're still well on the, they're still well on the mix. But I think Templestow with that experience and the bigger bodies, if they hold that side together, their their reserve grade had a big win yesterday, so the depth's there. If they can keep that group together they're gonna they're going to provide real, real challenges for both Baronia and uh, and Waverly Blues come the final series. Yeah. yeah,
3: and also, and just to mention as well with Heathmont, speaking to a lot of people at the club, um, they are really looking forward to the buy because they've got six or seven players that come back into yeah. that uh, side uh, in the second half of the season, which will certainly strengthen them as they go. We'll jump on to all the Waverly Blues win yesterday over Ringwood, 10-11-71 to 7-14-56. Uh, a good spread of goal kickers there for the Waverley Blues. Williamson kicked three as a Ringwood-Gebel Lamb came back into the side uh, this weekend to kick three himself. Actually, that's not,
2: a bad, but that's not a bad performance by Ringwood because Waverly Blues are very, very strong at home, and considering they're a little bit under man Ringwood, that's probably a, a meritorious loss, I reckon.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a good <laughs> result from them, Scotty, and uh, you look at their you know, at half-time, though, in front, Ringwood and and probably had a lot of opportunities um having seven more scoring shots and uh kept the Waverly Blues to just the 10 goals and we know they're a pretty high scoring side so uh, certainly, a, a lot to take out there for for um, Brett Rowe.
1: You take the yeah, you f- try and find it, guess the positives in it. But the the thing that's starting to show is that that ladder and and the differential between sort of fourth and and fifth in that fourth is sitting on twenty eight points, which is which is Heathmont, I think, if that's updated right, maybe. Um, yeah, And, that's right, and yep. East Burwood on sixteen, and and obviously Ringwood as well, sixteen. Mulgrave on sixteen. So it's a real sort of tight knit. They need to find the wins where they can. They'll probably they might have been in that position too. To win that game, you know, and, and like you're saying, had equal scoring shots. It was just the, the behinds that sort of cost them.
2: However, Ray, I think Ray Baird made a very pertinent comment on last Sunday's broadcast about Waverly Blues and the fact that whilst they're very good, whilst they're good um, with with attack, he sort of I agree with him. Their defence still leaks too many too many points. Um, compared to the the other top two or three sides, that'll be something that they'll need to address heading into a final series. I I think you, it's all right to be attacking, but you've also got to have a defensive bent as well, Brian.
3: Yeah, you do, and I I think it's just more the the game style they play is is much different to the the likes of probably Baronia and Heathmont and that. So. Look, it, you know, it, it's worked out pretty well for them, and, and certainly did in Division Three. And the, I mean, going into the the bye this week, and they're what are they seven and two or eight uh, and, eight, two. Eight and two, two, so they're in pretty good set. They the, they're but fine for the shootouts because they know they've got the weapons up forward to. To um to to win that battle, yeah.
1: Like they sort of they sort of just let their forward attacking take place away from the against. Like on their four on their fours, they're one thousand thirty two. Like they're leading the charge in that, so they probably can afford to have a little bit more of a lapse in that against column.
2: I agree with that, but Josh, last year Waverley Blues were that high high scoring free balling side, yeah. but when it came to the finals, that because of the intensity of finals, those big scores dried up, and they were in dogfights fights right throughout that whole final series is what you expect all right they they come through but the thing is when your defences aren't being challenged throughout the season you hit a final series sometimes you don't know how to
0: cope yeah exactly exactly and a final series that boasts the likes of obviously you know Baronia and Stowe and Heathmont all of whom have, have really strong defences and strong attacks as well that's that's know, why
2: this is going to be such a fantastic, t- this final yeah. series.
3: And yeah, you, know, you look at that top four, and as Scotty said, there's a three game gap now on, on fifth place, and all all sides in that top four can win the flag. I, oh, think. I think so. Uh, yeah. Absolutely at full strength. And then the, the fifth team is a bit of a wild card. You, you still don't know whether that's going to be East Burwood now, that they're, they're back in a little bit of form. Yesterday, defeating Upper Fentry Gully 19 14 128 to uh, 6-9-45 so a big win there they're back on track uh, Young kicked 5 Pearson kicked 4 Dove kicked 3 there for the Rams and Scott was the only multiple goal scorer there for up for Gully uh, out at Knox Gardens Reserve the Basin defeated Knox 13-14-92 to the Falcons 7-9-51 I think this is really disappointing because they were in front at, at half time and just managed two behinds in a second half of football for, for Knox and um, unfortunately for them, uh, remain winless.
2: Yeah, but the thing is, dots to the basin because their season hasn't been a better roses either. They've lost a lot of experience, and I just actually I, I looked at the basin over the previous weeks, and they've been they've been pretty competitive. They've scored, they've, they've kicked some. They're, they're, they're still able to kick a, a winning score. I mean, they got they um they kicked eighty points against Waverley Blues. I think the week before eighty points. Yeah. They that wins you a game of football in most weeks so their form leading into to a game like that yesterday was was right for the right for the picking but I also think too Josh you know they've had injuries their captain Shane Davidson has hardly played a game in the first half of the season he's an important player he's a young inspiring sort of captain and the thing is with such a young group they they need all the experience that they (laughs) can get
0: they definitely need that and you know, I was a bit worried with that that lack of experience and that youthfulness it, it might be it might have been their downfall yesterday just given they would have come into this game thinking they're facing a winless knock side and would have potentially dro- dropped it like Croydon defeated Montrose the week before as well so I was a bit worried about that but to their credit they 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 fought back in a strong second half which which shows that yeah they are it's a It's a mature win coming from behind. Yes, it's against Knox, but it's still pretty mature. It's
2: got a win. And I think the other thing too, Ryan, is as the weeks go by, clubs like Knox and Upper Furniture Gully are going to get more and more desperate because the situation that they know that they're in at the moment means they need to win games to get out of that that position. So they're going to get more and more desperate. So the thing is the other clubs sitting above them, just can't afford to be just off that 5 10% because, as we've seen, you're going to get, we've and we saw it yesterday, you know, bring your A game on the day, you're going to get beaten.
3: Yeah, you, you're, you're certainly right. I'd be surprised if, if either of those two get out of the, the bottom two in the relegation zone. Um, obviously, you know, a two game gap between the upper French Gully and the basin now, and then percentage wise, both sides are, are quite low. So you've got to be able to. Get uh, an extra winner over the top of the. So days. you're right. Yeah.
2: So for those two sides now, they um for both Knox and Upper Furniture Gully, they need minimum four wins. Yeah, and it, because at because of percentage, Scott. So you're sitting there and you're looking at the at the. Uh, at the fixture here, and you think, okay, where are we going to see another two? Where are we going to see another two wins for them, and another four wins for Knox? Yeah, but when you look at both those sides as well, d- you couldn't say that they will go.
1: Oh, yeah, they may beat Heathmont Templestone. Whereas if you look at East Burwood, Ringwood, Mulgrave, and you go, yeah, they could they could compete against Heathmont Templestone, mm. yeah, Waverley, yeah. Brain. So they'll they probably get the they'll upsets. get a, they'll get the upsets. Whereas I just I just can't see it at the yeah. moment, unfortunately. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, let's jump into the ladder just quickly in Division Two, sitting on top, Boronia, with eight wins, uh, the Wave. Blues have played an extra game with eight wins as well. Templestowe and Heathmont round up the top four with seven wins. In fifth place, there's that gap. Uh, East Burwood there with four wins alongside Ringwood and Mulgrave in sixth and seventh. And then the Basin in eighth with three wins. Upper with Gully in ninth with one win. And Knox there without a win. Let's jump into Division Three because there was a couple of uh, interesting results here, Josh, yesterday. One of them, mm-hmm. Fair Park... Got the job uh, done over Whitehorse 14 13 97 defeating the Pioneers 11 18 84. Uh, Gilling kicked six goals. <laughs> we, we, talk, we, talk, we spoke about him yesterday there for Fair Park. Um, Whitehorse, uh, Young Horvat kicked two each and Sim was listed as their best player. But uh, really let's touch on Fair Park first because there's a few things to, to discuss with Whitehorse, but uh, really impressive from them. Uh, we did feel like they were due for for a win eventually. They've had a lot of outs in their side, got a few players back uh, this weekend, and um, certainly uh, it's a maybe a bit of a season-defining win because it... Um, Gives them a game clear of that bottom spot and only a game out of the top four.
0: Well, they clearly have the wood over Whitehorse. They've won both their games, and you know, obviously at Springfield Park it was quite comfortable. In no, but
2: Simpson, <laughs> <laughs> but Simpson Memorial Oval now, mate. <laughs> I
0: obviously
1: missed that yeah. that intro. yes yesterday. i presume
0: Yeah, that was. <laughs> and Ben Gillen clearly likes playing against Whitehorse too. That's twelve goals in in two games against the pioneers this year. But um, yeah, I think. This is also a mature win. They were they were able to hang on against Whitehorse, so who clearly came charging in that that final quarter. But yeah, to their credit, Fair Park were able to, to hold on in in tricky conditions as well. And. Uh, it's yeah it, it gives them plenty of confidence heading into the second half heading into the second half and the king's birthday break just they've been in a bit of a drought the, the last couple of weeks they'd had their struggles they've gone close obviously against uh, against stone vallon fenwick gully for a couple of quarters a couple of quarters in each game but yeah this I think this gives them a bit of confidence. I reckon, brush.
2: It does, and I believe it was a. I think it was a milestone game at that club yesterday. Yes, Jason, it was. Jason, Jason won. Jason won. Yep. I think two. Was it two hundred and fifty games?
0: A uh, hundred senior games for yeah. Fair Park. So. Yeah.
2: So I mean, Jason played at that club before he went to South Croydon and mm. won a premiership with South Croydon, and obviously he's gone back there now. So so he's a respected uh, uh, club. Uh, they
3: needed that ex- couple of experienced players in him, and, and you know, I think um, I think they
2: had, and they had, um, Burn was Burn Mason Byrne's been out injured along yep. with Need, and that's so some of that experience has been out in recent times, and they haven't just been able to, they probably didn't have the depth to take the pressure off Gilling, um, in in the in those games where, um, he was always going to be the the targeted one from from your from your opposition, Fair Park. What you see is what you get with them, and the thing is, a win doesn't surprise, but a uh, but a loss, <laughs> um, but a loss can um, doesn't
1: surprise anyone. No, <laughs> 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 no, like yeah, you know, I know what you're saying, Rash. Like you know, and I, I wasn't surprised when I saw that score. Me and Josh were sort of speaking about it, and I was like, oh, you know what? They're they're, they're not too far off the mark. Mm. And again, it's sort of when you look at those sides on ladders in, in different divisions, and you go, you know what? Yeah, Fair Park could. You'd get the win and could get the points, and I, I always sort of think that with them, and obviously for Gillen kicking kicking six, you know, it, it helps a, a massive you know amount in, in those sort of divisions scoring that that amount. Um, Whitehorse obviously kicking themselves. Oh, like,
2: they love him. <laughs> yeah. I do know for a fact they love they love Ben down there. He's a, he's already become a bit of a cult figure, and you know what it's like though when you're in those lower grades, right? When you when you get a star forward and it comes from the high divisions, and then you know they come down and they kick these five and six and. They Entertain the locals week in week out. That's what you need. Yeah. You, you know that's what. Yeah, and and that gives hope. Yeah, to all those clubs mm. when you get a when you get a big goal kicker like that, that can come down and kick your bags of goals. You might not win every week. Or he might not kick you a winning score every week, but he knows you know he's good for a few and,
1: goals. And I think for Fair Park, if they can keep him for you know for se- a, a couple of seasons, at least, when once these renovations are done, they're still under construction there, and it's it's not the greatest. I went there the other week, and it's not the greatest venue to to stand around and watch footy. But if they once that's built and, and they're back up and running, it, it is like you said, Brash. It's a it's a drawing card. It, it allows you know local support to get involved and sort of see an, an individual kicking you know a good amount. Have we? Got, do you know? What his total is Josh. What he's kicked uh, it's for this?
0: twenty-seven goals in nine yeah. games this season. It's so great. he's yeah. averaging three goals a game. It's so he, Yeah, great. You, you're able to rely upon him, and you know they're finding other options when they're winning as well. You know Mitch Knee kicked the two, kicked two goals as well, and they're still they're finding plenty of contributors around the goals, which is something they lacked last year. Lacked last year, but they're able to, to do so this yeah, year. Yeah,
2: Just having a look at them, I know they've won three and lost six. But you know, three of those um, three of those games that they've lost have been under thirty points. Yeah. So mm. it's not like it's not like that they're getting blown off the park like, and you know the Nunna Waddings and, and Croydons of old. Mm. It's just it, it just comes down to moments. Yeah, yeah.
3: and it's funny because they're, they're they're a game outside the top four, and we <laughs> sort of <laughs> and we speak about them and probably you know Warrendale and Coldstream in, in sort of similar lengths that um, that they're out of this season, but. Halfway point of the season, anyone can still play finals. Yeah. It's still, you know, You've know, you got to certainly, Coldstream have a lot of work ahead to do, but um, it's still open.
1: Yeah, I think you just sort of go, well, Fentry Gully, Donvale, definitely in there. Sylvan, yeah, pro- definitely in there. And then it's, yeah, it's just that fight afterwards. And like I said, if Fair Park get up there and get into I, I wouldn't be... Surprised by it Uh, You know A great result If that does happen But yeah I wouldn't be surprised
3: Absolutely Uh, Moving on Oakley District uh, Versus Donval Haven't got the final score here But Donval Did win that game uh, The latest on game day says 16-11 107-5 535 At three quarter time So uh, A win there To the Magpies um, uh, Also Out at Sylvan Recreation Reserve Ferntree Gully did the job uh, 16 12 108, defeated Sylvan, 11 15 81
2: i reckon this that was that was the 8 point game for me first this one yeah it was first taken on third um, and it was probably a game that Sylvan really did need to win to win to yeah. to give themselves a bit more self belief that they're right in the mix mm-hmm. to take on the top two i just think now from what whilst they were competitive yesterday Furniture Galley have got gears
0: yeah they do They do. and
2: same with Donvale they've got gears and if the assets put on them you know that those two sides right are, g- are going to be able to lift and, oh, yeah, and, got and whereas of it. I'm not sure whether it, if the boot's on the other foot whether Sylvan's got that that boot that that next level to go to, Josh.
0: Yeah, they're they're able to run out games really well for Trigalli and Donval, and that's the, the yeah. difference between the top two and the rest of and the rest of the division. There, you know, they they play 120 minutes, and whenever you play, whenever. You have to play Fentry Gully and Donvale. You have to play the full four quarters. And Sylvan, to their credit, they did for oh, probably oh, it's ninety a, minutes. But
3: it's, it's a much better result compared to their earlier game at Wally Two Reserve against Fentry Gully, where they were pretty much blown off the the park. Mm. I think it ten yes, or eleven it's an goals. Improvement on so that. yeah, so you you make a step forward, and obviously, um, you know getting there in finals time you may have to you probably have to beat French Gallia Donvale in a prelim if they can get to that stage to to make a grand final so that's the the task ahead of them
2: you'd almost you'd almost say right that both unless something unforeseen happens to the top two you Sylvan very much like Scoresby who we'll talk about but you'd almost feel like for Sylvan now when you look at the other teams in that in that competition and where the standings are you'd almost feel like that Preliminary final is, you know, is what where they sh- where they need to be, yeah, Silver yeah. now, uh, because they're good enough. They're good enough against all the other sides in the division and have proven that, but they're still a little step run. So they've got to aim for at least preliminary final because they're going to play either one of those two in the in a preliminary final, mm. and they just got to hope that their form leading into into that final series is of a higher caliber than what it is now
1: and just quickly Ron, that result you're talking about was round two it was 116 french galley 259sylvans yeah. so yeah it's they've come they've come a long way sort of in in a short period of time mm. so, and i'm impressed with sort of how they're how they're playing their their footy at the moment obviously going up yeah against you know key opposition there but yeah disappointing
3: yeah, yeah, and uh, also on the goal kickers there, Flannery kicked seven goals for Ferntree Gully. Uh, Ficker really kicked four for Sylvan. Bit of a surprise not to see Lowe kicking five. He, he's almost a yeah. block each week for for the Cats to kick um, five. I don't think he actually played yesterday, uh, right. just looking at the team list. so Oh, no, he is there. Uh, bit surprised, so um, obviously Ferntree Gully did a, a nice job on him uh, to keep him goalless. Uh, the final game in Division Three, Warrandyte defeated Coldstream 14-6-90, to 13-10-88 uh, for Warrandyte. O'Brien kicked five goals. is their best player. For Coldstream, Fritch and Carrigan had three Again. each. Uh, Carrigan, uh, star of the competition at the moment. Um, uh, he was listed second best on behind Fig. But a really, really close game, and, and we sort of spoke about it yesterday, Brash, of um, Warrandyte's wins have all been by close margins. They've had a few losses by close margins, and, um, yeah, Paul Donahue would be very... Uh, stressed out in the last quarter, I'm sure, but excited that they. Uh, well, it's,
2: uh, it's living up to its name, isn't it? The blood bank. <laughs> yeah, I'm just what I just said yesterday. Maybe they should put an intensive care unit in there as well, because <laughs> the amount of games that they've won by less than a goal, it would give you heart palpitations. And passionate, <laughs> passionate fans as well, Brash. They They're very, very passionate yeah. down there. We've heard them. <laughs> you know that. Look, good on Good on Warrenite, um, and remember and. As we were talking about Coldstream off-air, for many, Coldstream have tried so hard and, right, they've they fought so hard to, you know, win their place in Division Three, and now all of a sudden they're now facing the reality because of an intangible lot of injury, of, <coughs> right, is actually curtailing the, 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 the side's performance on a weekly basis and now they're sitting two games on the bottom... With a lot with the a, a threat now of actually going back down again, and I think you know that's probably a bit of a bitter pill for them to swallow because um, I know that they're a very proud club up in that area and they pride themselves on good on a good performance, and I just think that uh, think it's a bit like um, last year with Ferntree Gully. You know, they, it was net year but not so far. And I just sort of feel like they're there on that. It just doesn't seem like the things are going to go right for them. And, and, and it may not go right, Brash, like that, but they
1: need to find... They've, th- this is the cards that they've been dealt, and so yeah. they, need to, they need to find that next gear. It was a huge result by Warrandy. There was seven goals to four in the second half, three goals to one in the last quarter to win by two points. So they they had it there, they had it there Coldstream and it's just slipped away. Um for Warrendite it'll be probably one of their best wins I would say for the whole season. That's an amazing result. But yeah, you're right. It's hard for Coldstream, but they need to find a way now to and hopefully with that break, a reset, sort of look at where they're Gets going. And 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 again you look at I look at Coldstream and I go, I don't Think you know that they're going to sort of stay winless like in some of those other divisions in bottom sides. I go, yeah, they probably could beat Fair Park. They could beat Whitehouse on their day. It's just they've just got to find that mojo, get a little bit of a run, and, and off they go.
2: If they take, if they can take one positive out of yesterday, they didn't get blown off the park. They only got beaten by two points. Yep. I think that the most horrific thought is if you're playing the second bottom side and you get done by 50, 60 points. That sort of yeah, really that's when, de- that's right, when yeah. you that's when you your tyres get really deflated and,
1: and also they're only one game behind Warrandyte, I know, Fair yeah. Park Whitehorse so they can get out of it they really can <laughs> and, and, and I believe they can but it's just fine and
2: they've got a good it, coach oh, very, he's a yeah. He's, yeah. An, he, he's a very very good coach and you know look if there's a will and a way, he will make he will get them there.
0: And there's still two games out of finals too, which so, is so. There's yeah. still plenty of hope. It's quite remarkable. They're sitting I'm on the bottom, and t- <laughs>
1: it's a good to two games. I'm, I'm
2: not trying to sound like the harbinger of doom here for for Coldstream because i I've always been very bullish, and yeah. every time I've gone up there, I've really enjoyed my day up at that football club, and. Uh, Look, I, I I think that there are a lot. They they are a better side than where they're sitting at the moment. Yeah,
3: yeah. And, and same with Warren Doctor and yeah. I think yep. we we went through on Friday. They've, I think they played 38, 39 players this mm-hmm. season. Fair Park, very similar number. And Colts have obviously not far off, but on terms of those players that have. Yep. Um, uh, Played a senior game this season, so just shows you um, sometimes you do need a bit of luck with injuries and, and keeping your
2: best. if you've already used thirty-five to forty plays in the first half of the season, you know you know that the club. It's a pretty good indication to know that the club's been riddled with injury, mm-hmm. and unless they can find a way to get their best players back in the second half of the season probably finals ends up being out of the the question. Yeah, Yeah. Uh,
3: let's jump into the ladder there. Fertry Gully on top, Donval with the same amount of wins. Sylvan in third with five wins. So there's a three-game gap um, from second to third, as we were mentioning before. (laughs) Uh, Oakley District in fourth with four wins. Whitehorse, Park, Wyandotte, all with three wins. And then Coldstream there with... Two wins on the bottom. Uh, we'll jump into Division 4. A couple of interesting results here. Let, let's start with the Forest Hill one. Uh, 18-3, 111 defeated. Kilsyth. 9-13-67. Donahue kicked six goals for Forest Hill. Rudd kicked four. Uh, Burgess List is their best players for Kilsyth. O'Neill kicked three. Uh, Machete as their best player. But this was, for me, a bit of a shock because Kilsyth have been pretty much... Um, perfect uh, throughout the year. They've had that draw against Surrey Park, but otherwise they've been beating everyone pretty comfortably. And um, a a real turnaround here, and and Forest Mm Hill... now you know, sort of announce themselves as uh, a bit of a threat in Division 4. Yeah,
0: I think this is this is a coming of age of win, uh, win as well for Forrest Hill. It wasn't just the result that surprised me, but, but just how comfortably they defeated Killsythe. You know, they lost 110 to, to 44 last time out of Pink's Reserve against the Cougars, and it's quite a remarkable turnaround. I think yeah, it's, it is a bit of a surprise but when I spoke with Justin Saclinno a couple of weeks ago he said you know they continue to improve when when players were starting to come back when with when new recruit when their new recruits continue to get familiar with the with the division and all well, those improvements have shown that well particularly the last three weeks where they comfortably defeated Churnside Park yeah. obviously they got up over another warning site that came into that game with plenty of confidence and to defeat killsyth as well I think it, it's it's a big statement and you know, it's why it. It makes the division a, a division for a little bit more interesting. It shows that you know a side like Forest Hill, who we expected, you know, wouldn't be around, or I at least expected wouldn't be around the finals, mark, can defeat a, a top side like Kilsyth, a quality side like Kilsyth.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, I might have to reassess Forrest Hill because I think um, yesterday they showed enough for me. Um, now. Um, because they've taken that big scalp, that if they have the if they are if they're in form and they've got the right side on the park on the day, they're going to be they're going to be able to to match it. And I think what they've actually done yesterday is I think they've done <laughs> for one of a better word, Scott. I reckon they've done the competition a favour because I, I sort of feel now that these four sides right are going to the top four is basically set now in. In, uh, in in Division 4, it's just going to be a matter of where I think Forest Hill and Scoresby finish finish in there, and it's not going to make much difference where they do finish because they'll probably play off mm. in, a, in a final. Mm. But I, I sort of think, I think Churnside Park didn't play yesterday, but how galling would it be for <laughs> them, right, sitting back now knowing, right, knowing yesterday they had no control over the situation because they're sitting on a bye, right, to see Forest Hills win and win convincingly against a top two side, and they're staring, they're now sitting three games out of the four. Yeah. Uh, how galling would it be for them knowing that they need to win four games, right, to even get back to parity?
1: That- and not good for my prediction. either. I, I, was, oh. I was bullish on Cheds. I I'm probably, yeah. oh well, yeah, I've probably said that. But no, it's not there up there. But yeah, it's a it's a really good win for Forest Hill, and it shows that with that um, that sign of consistency, I guess in that in that group, they bought a lot in, uh, you know, for this. I and we always said it was going to take a little bit of time for it for it to gel and everything like that. But to score eleven goals by half time to four, that's always going to win you a game of footy. It's going to be hard to come back from that, and it's impressive to see Forrest Hill do that against opposition in Killside that are playing extremely good footy. It's a bit of a blip in the radar for Killside. I don't think it's anything to, to worry about. I think they just it gives them a kick up the backside to go, hey, this division, yeah, might be a little bit tighter in that sort of third, fourth position. It's, it's, they've got to be on.
2: Josh, that game Forrest Hill played Surrey. Um, yeah. I think two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I think it was th- uh, about a month ago, maybe. Yeah. And it,
2: it all, even though Forest Hill lost that game, there all there was signs in that in that there were signs throughout that contest that Forest Hill looked like they were starting to come back a Because I mean, look, Surrey Park have been the benchmark, and they didn't get it all their own way in that yeah. game. That's yeah, true.
0: mainly that. Well, mainly that first quarter in particular, where it was only just seven points the margin. So, yeah, I think. They've shown signs the and the final quarter as well, where they kept them to just two goals, and they've shown signs Forest Hill. They, it's I think that performance against Surrey would have definitely kicked them into gear.
1: That's a little bit kind, like the Surrey Park 109 to Forest Hill 32. Yeah, so, but they still they still uh, got
0: close in uh, in two, co- two quarters. Uh, they and got blown, you know
1: blown away. Yeah, <laughs> they need to look. I know what you're so, I do. I understand what you're saying, but I'm just tongue in cheek a bit there. But uh, yeah, if they can. If they can um, if they can find that form that they had against yeah. Kilsa. And like I said, that was yeah, you're right, that was three weeks ago, so time can change a lot.
2: I know football. I'm trying to draw a long bow. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I just yeah. have to look at that score. I was <laughs> like, Oh, I don't know. That's not like a that's like a Josh remark. It's like <laughs> oh,
1: Josh is talking if they lost.
2: <laughs> for Forest Hills though there's been one player right right throughout the start of the season that I think has had a fantastic season for them and carried them is young Rudd. Yeah, he's, yeah he's a terrific. has yep. been in their best nearly every every game. And so he he's obviously a, a player that plays and leads by example. And uh, look, you have got Jake Rose back in form with kicking goals. Graff's important to their structure. Mm. He's a bit like a Stephen Pym, Mitch Graff. When Pimmy gets on a when Stephen Pym was playing. He was one of those players that could kick you six, seven, eight. I see Hanagraff as that sort of player. And especially if they're going into a if they're going into a yeah. final series. All right, you can only play who who you play with any anyway. week. But if Hanagraaff and, and Rowe... Between the two of them are kicking bags of goals heading into a final series. That's going to give them a lot of confidence going into the first week mm. of the finals. And I think they're more than capable. And, and yeah, Mitch
0: O'Donoghue as well with the six goals Ooh. in his first senior game yeah. of the year. So they've got plenty of options up for it now. And that accuracy as well, only... only one behind after quarter time and three behinds for the match. It's yeah, mm. yeah, it's
3: certainly right. It's made this very interesting, uh, the th- division, and another big result here in the top four. Surrey Park defeated Scoresby, 13 goals, 15, 93 to the Magpies, 12, 6, 78. Um, interesting game here, Scott, because at, at quarter time, Scoresby led uh, 38 to 14, so had a bit of a lead. I don't know if there was a, um, a win factor. Naturally, you were down there. That in the yeah. morning was there uh, was there playing there wasn't any
0: or? there wasn't really any wind down there but uh, i put it this way the, the ground's in all right nick but there's this one patch on the ground where it's uh, <laughs> a little bit a little bit rough but otherwise there wasn't there wasn't too much wind to spe- speak of in the morning it could have changed by the afternoon yep. but um yeah i just think the good sides always find a way to win To we could, we talked about it on the the weekend forecast how Scoresby just needed to you know just need to needed get a pitch win.
3: one yeah. of them because yeah. obviously, Scott, they, they play Surrey Park next week as well. Um, they host that game uh, on the King's birthday weekend. But just for a, a mental edge, um, it, it, w- it will be very deflating if they lose to Surrey Park twice in two weeks. And then um, if they are to win the flag this year, they, they're going to have to go p- through Surrey Park. So you would have lost to them three times in a season. So a lot of pressure now on um, Scoresby next week.
2: Well, Josh, I did say to you off air... Right, that if there was ever a if there was ever a week that Surrey mm. Park were going to be vulnerable, it was this week. Scoresby were coming off probably their their best three performances of the season, albeit against two of the lesser lights. But all you can do is win. They won. Can they've beaten Chernside, Nana Wadding, and uh, Croydon Emlock convincing margins they had a week's fi- they had a week's fitness on on surrey park because surrey once again coming off the coming off a buy so that's maybe where that first quarter coming came into play yeah. was the fact that surrey probably were a little bit rusty but once they got their mojo they managed mm-hmm. to, th- that's the thing i like about surrey park josh is the fact yeah. that they they know how to work their way back into a contest. And it's other things, there isn't next to, um, they're probably the only side in this division that really know how to come from behind and... When they're challenged and come and, and work through it,
0: yeah, they know how to click into another gear. that's yeah. the that's the one thing that's been evident under Kemworthy ever since you know ever since he took over as coach midway through last year. They've, you know, they've been able to click into gear whether that be at the start of games, whether that be towards the end of games. They've they've just been able to do that. And I I think this will probably be their their first. I feel like their first come from behind victory of the season and under Worthy, So it's. Yeah, it shows that they are able to c- but, click into gear.
2: But that gives you... That would give the playing group... For some of the other side, Scott, right, knowing the fact that, yes, we can jump, we can... If we get a good start, if we can't maintain the rage, right, and try and build on that, uh, on, a, on a good first quarter, we can't afford to rest on our laurels because we know that Surrey Park are going to come and they're going to keep coming and it's almost like a, in racehorse parlance they're giving you f- they're giving them four lengths Right, and they they're, they're slowly making up on it, and they just run straight past them and, and run away. Yeah, it's a it's a four quarter performance that you need against
1: Surrey Park, and mm-hmm. that's been shown. It scores are a quality opposition, dro- you know, dropping into this division, and they would have had challenges, you know, like this previously. It'd be interesting to see what the response is. Like, it's an interesting fixture draw, isn't it? Yeah. That game, <laughs> like, going from that game into straight away. Oh, hang on, well, we I'm just tell
2: you. I'm calling it Round Nine B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's laughs> the redo.
0: It's, it's quite unique. You see it like in the final round of the regular season yeah. and going into finals you, you don't see it during the regular no, season no yeah
3: and <laughs> obviously that was with um uh, with Glen Waverley dropping mm-hmm. out at the start of the season obviously the fixture and yeah, uh, it had, had to change and yeah. And, and yeah which um but it's makes it, it interesting but it's
1: good like it just gives Scoresby another shot at it gives sorry park another shot at it, say hang on a minute they jumped us you know and it's, it'll be inter- a really interesting contest
3: funny that the mental edge i think will yeah. play apart because yeah sorry we'll go into that with we just beat you last week. We're, yeah, we're going to come in with it's, the with a. But
2: then again, for the for the vanquished, there's nothing like then going back, having another shot at the total the week after, right? Rather than stewing on it and facing them three true. or four rounds down the down the line. It, and is that is it at, at Scoresby? That the, is at Scoresby.
1: Yeah, yeah, so you would hope a big crowd by Scoresby faithful to get down there. If you're if you're listening to this, it's going to be a ripping contest, and mm-hmm. and they would love the backing of the support. Yeah, I'm still right.
2: I'm still staying with my, I'm still staying with my assessment of Scoresby. I still think they're the, mm-hmm. there's they are a preliminary final side. Mm-hmm. I, I think they they've earned that right so far. Yep. But with the emergence of Forest Hill, that that next meeting between those two clubs will give us a bit of an idea of how how close that contest could be later on in the season.
3: Yeah, definitely. And before we do go to a break, uh, Croydon North-Emlock versus Nutterwadding yesterday. Another really good game. Uh, the line 16-5, 101, defeated Croydon North-Emlock, 13-12, 90. Uh, interesting enough, uh, Croydon North were so close to their first win of the season, 22 points up at three-quarter time. but. Scott seven goals to one in the last quarter for the Lions uh, sees them get their their second win for the season and unfortunately for the Kangaroos very close but uh, weren't able to get the uh, four points.
1: Yeah, I had that in my notes as well yeah, as I love a love of last quarter sort of performance and and yeah dis- disappointing there for for Croydon to sort of fall away but obviously Frank Salinatri so I always get that right yeah. one time um, he'd be he'd be so pleased with the with the group with that fighting spirit that you know he spoke about in the in the off season he said that. Um, he wanted the group to play that attacking brand and well he got that in the last quarter.
2: Well they've had their best they've probably had their best three weeks in the history of the in the history of Division Four in the last three weeks, Nana Because I actually not and no disrespect to Mlock, but I think it would have been an absolute travesty of justice if Nunawading didn't walk away with the four points last week. They ran They've kicked 104 points against Surrey Park, Mm -hmm. right? So their form leading into this game, they only lost by 15 points the week before, right? So their form line hitting into that game was as good as any side. And kudos to them... Once again, they've kicked a hundred points, Scott, and and it's
1: in in that adage that it's that attacking brand is obviously not Frank's not wavering away from. Oh, actually, I might need to readjust. He's just saying, let's go for it, and and what a result! I was just
2: having a think about Frank Selnych. has been around this competition for a very long, long time, and I know I believe, if my memory serves me correct, I believe that he's a premiership coach at Forest at Forest Hill. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think he brought, bought you know
1: didn't he have another one set up there as well at, when he's back yeah, yeah he's played finals so, with yeah the, uh, the did, lines
2: yeah. yeah so Frank Frank uh, Frank Salonitri, and when I listened to the interview when they won their first game mm. he has an intimate knowledge of this yep. division he knows this division backwards he knows most of the players backwards too mm. and the thing is he's a very shrewd operator um, himself and the thing is. I've known Frank and not personally but I've watched him over the years and his coaching style is about bringing the young kids in and, and, and creating a very successful environment. And in in, in the,
1: our sort of pre-season, we were discussing them and, and what he can bring. And I was talking about on, on social media, the belief that that the community hold for him solely. This was prior to them even getting a, a couple of wins. Like I said, now he'll be hailed as, you know, as the, mes- the Messiah. The Messiah.
2: <laughs> because, no, Like yeah. I said, I, I, I think Frank is the right man yep. at the right time for this football club. Yep. And the thing is, a few more performances like that before the end of the season, if they could win three or four games, mm. that's going to be a premiership. And <laughs> to them, and yeah, yeah well, yeah. well, scoring that, just kicking that amount of goals, and you know, not
1: not being just you know an easy an easy run over mm. win. Like like we're saying, the scoring that they're doing is really important to them.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's it for divisions two to four. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll jump into Premier Division.
2: So the former Temple State man, gets plenty of height on the cat, I think he's off target though, in fact he's out of bounds, he's missed everything completely, and that's yeah. a wasted opportunity. Hard kick for a left footer, <laughs> <laughs> on the left hand side, They just can't get the angle of the dangle, right. <laughs> <laughs> the angle of the dangle, <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing words today Angle of the dangle, right, the angle of the dangle, right.
3: Welcome back to the ASIN weekend recovery. I only play that when you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're inside the studio, uh, uh Let's jump into Premier Division now. Um, a couple of results uh, went the way we thought they would. Baldwin, 16-14, 110, defeated Berwick 9-56. Goebbels kicked four, Haley kicked three for the Tigers. Uh, sticker listed as their best player on the ground. So Berwick Muley kicked three goals. Uh, another result that we thought would go uh, this way. Vermont defeated Doncaster 12-16, 88 to 7-8, 50. Uh, they had a uh, multiple goal kickers there. Spencer and Hawkins uh, combined for five. Uh, Ross. Uh, James Ross listed as their best player for the Eagles. A um, bit closer, though, Brash. We, we probably thought um, they might be able to, to really get a hold of Doncaster, but um, 38 points is is not too bad for the Sharks after some of their, their recent uh, losses.
2: I also think, too, Ryan, it may come down to also what the condition of Shram's is like. Because don't mm-hmm. forget, we had a pretty wet week in Melbourne as well. So especially coming to, towards the, the later... Thursday and Friday There was a bit of Precipitation yeah,
0: around Yeah And I've played on Shrimps reserves A couple of times And it can get bad It can get pretty bad Out there
2: But at the end of the day You'll take A win's a win And you'll take it And the thing is With, with double relegation in, in 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 Premier Division This way it's, it's another win For sides To take them away From the thought Of actually Going down and yeah. the thing
0: is, as well, they weren't relying on Adrian Kalkowski to kick no. all the goals. He only kicked one. Spencer's
2: in only. I think that was only from what I I saw. Uh, I've seen Spencer play once. Uh, I think that was only his second senior game. And mm-hmm. uh, looking at those best players for Vermont, you yes, said that's a really good sign because there's a lot of young young guys coming through. At- and sorry, Brescia, like you're saying, it takes them away from the
1: bottom, but it actually pushes them more to the top. If you look, they've, they've got a game in hand. They're on 20 points, so they're with Blackburn, Doncaster East and Roval. And so they could jump up into it. I mean, uh, <laughs>
2: this yeah. is a, I've got to say, overall, <laughs> Premier Division is f- a fantastic division at the moment. It's a fantastic the, Yeah. You look at it, between first and ninth, is it nearly only a game or two between yes. it? Yeah. And the, I... And this is exactly what you want from your Premier Division. You don't want easy games, and it's even more prevalent now that if you're – we say about the lower divisions, but in this division it's even more prevalent that (laughs) if you don't bring your A game, you're going to get beaten, and it doesn't matter who it is. You're going to get
1: beaten. And if teams get a run on and start to get those wins and, and get the four points, the the differential between sort of that, that middle rung and really top sort of thing is, is sort yeah. of drifting, sixth especially with, you know... Park sixth or place or is going to
2: be the most hotly contested <laughs> yeah. final spot this year. And I was just, I was looking at my own projections and I'm thinking that... Ten wins. You're going to need ten wins in yeah. this in this grade. Oh, it,
3: it's going to be very hard. And one side who's still sitting outside the top yeah. six is the reigning premiers in Noble Park, who got their season back on track last uh, yesterday afternoon, 18-14, 122. Defeated the Sharks, Park Orchards Sharks, at 9-7, 61. Scott kicked five goals for the Bulls. Had a really strong start to the year. Uh, marson kicked three it's so park orchards a uh, park orchards Schaefer kicked three goals in pricing list listed as their best player but um, park orchards maybe well, we, let's okay let's start with with the sharks your thoughts on them because that's now Owen eight and um, in a tough spot they've got some windable games to come <laughs> yeah um, in the next few weeks but not a good spot to be sitting at the moment
2: well I'll look I'm just having a look at, at park park orchards obviously they've they, they lost to Noble Park yesterday, but in the next three rounds, they've got Berwick, Doncaster, and South Croydon. Winnable games for mine, and not because and because South Croydon are very, very much injury riddled at the moment. I think mm. that gives Park Orchards a better than 50-50 chance of, of, of pinching that game. I think they're more than capable of beating Berwick, and I think they'll definitely more than capable of beating Doncaster my main concern is with the Berwick game is they they playing them down at Berwick yeah. and i don't know whether they've got the fitness whether they've got the fitness levels to run that game out compared to what berwick so that's could be a 50-50 mm-hmm. game but I, I think if they could win if they can win 3 if they could win 2 of their next 3 games that'll give them something to something to strive for in the second half of the season because they'll probably get an easy they'll probably get in the last six games they'll probably get the easier draw and may not draw some of the top sides in that second round so they could still end up winning four games five games whereas I look at Doncaster and I I'm just I'm just not sure where their next win comes from
0: yeah I'm not too sure either I think from a Doncaster side of things, they you know, they've got the worst percentage in in the division. Park Orchards is, I think, they're like still thirty percent ahead or twenty well, percent. Yeah, that's and that might
3: be key. Um, yeah, you know. and
2: that's the thing. If they if if Park Orchards leapfrog Berwick and and Doncaster, their percentage is going to be enough to at least keep one of those at least keep Doncaster in that bottom two, because thirty percent. Thirty or forty percent, the way I've worked it out, basically equates Ryan to nearly two games. Yeah, it does. So, and that's near when you're already two games behind. Right in um, wins and losses, and then you know you need another two wins from, you know, to gain from percentage. That makes it nearly Im- an impossible task. But it yeah. almost
1: it turns it into sort of this competition of that of that bottom three because then you look above them at ninth, like South Croydon, Norwood, Noble Park, Vermont. Like it's just I, they're ne- they're never going to. I don't see those teams dropping any further than where they currently are, and and I don't see Berwick or Doncaster sort of going much you know higher.
2: However, the unpredictability of those three sides that you just mentioned—Vermont, Noble Park, and North uh, and right? South Gordon—those three sides, right? They are still right, all right. their position looks good at the moment. But even by, but even their performances throughout the year has been is on a is. It's
1: not guaranteed. No, it's 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 not. But I get my point. Probably is I if I look at Noble Park Nord, say say I look at Noble Park Nord, South Croydon, yep. and if they played Berwick Doncaster Park Orchards, I feel like they would always beat those three sides. If that's if that's sort of no, that's fine. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I can accept I, that. I, yeah, but I don't think they're gonna sort of. You know, well, Noble Park, I think, will kick into a, into gear. I, I, I feel as yeah. though they, they have to sort of thing. But, yeah, Norwood, South Croydon, I just think uh, competitive enough when they can. Obviously, South Croydon are going through injuries, so they may not make mm. finals. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting time. It's It's hard.
3: And let's touch on South Croydon now because uh, they were pretty competitive again against Doncaster East, but they go down by 21 points, 9 to the lines, 12-12-84. Laverso, Bell, Paparonis all kicked two goals each for Doncaster East with Waddle listed as their best player as the uh, Dogs, Sheridan and Wilson, three each, and O'Neill listed best on. So, um, look, they were, you know, level at half time there and... Certainly very competitive, but again, it's it's another loss and it's a, a big gap now from them in the eighth place. Yeah,
0: and the one big difference, the the spread of goal kickers on the day. You know, South and they were only able to produce four and two, and two of those players in Sheridan and Wilson who you'd usually expect to kick plenty of goals. They only kicked three goals each, whereas you look at Doncaster, you know, I think it was seven or eight goal kickers. So, again, it's... again it comes down to uh, that's a key factor being able to spread the goals out and you know that's been a concern for South Croydon to start this season not finding different avenues to goal brush
2: no and the thing is look South Croydon their next three they've got three more games to complete the first round of the season and then they've got Doncaster, Norwood and Park Orchards to finish off their the first round but I think in the and they're going to need to do some pinch some wins there, because looking at their draw, they'll probably draw some of the higher higher ranked sides um, in the in the in the second round of that the last mm-hmm. six. So unless they they need to get their best side back on the park try to get to even give them a chance to, to to play in the finals, because if sides like Norwood and Vermont and Noble Park keep winning, and they keep dropping games they're not going to be able to make it up no matter what run they get on no yeah
3: it's a good point they they certainly do need a couple wins in the next few weeks and i think they've got doncaster next at the trans reserve so um, interesting to see how that one plays out. Roval also got the job done against Norwood, 13-11-89 to 10-9-69. So 20-point win there. And they're starting to string some wins together, Roval. Uh, Stainthorpe, Davy both kicked three goals each. And, and Lockie Wine uh, did not kick a goal. Um, no, here, I, d- so
0: I think he didn't. I think Ray Baird said he didn't play in the oh, air. he did um, I think it was a VFL emergency with oh, the okay. Box Hill Hawks. So... It's, it's still a really impressive win without wind-out.
3: Well, yeah, to, to be able to um, uh, kick 13 goals without him there, who's been reliable for five or six each week, and um, seem to have that, I think, Norwick kicked the first two goals of the game, but after that they seem to um, pretty much have that 20-point lead for the entire afternoon and one step ahead the Hawks. So um, impressive there. They, they keep their winning streak going, and... Uh, looking good at the moment.
2: We, Ryan, we were speaking about Roval yesterday and how well the draw and the and the competition has opened up for mm. them after a tardy start, mm. right? Uh, because of the nature of all the wins, wins and losses uh, that have been shared amongst all the other sides, Roval's form early on hasn't hurt them as much and the way that the draws opened up for them they've just slowly started to build some momentum and ben wise has actually changed the dynamics a little bit to to um probably sting them back into action he probably made a statement he, he dropped some of his younger players from last year that there were main goalers like Mav Taylor and and such and wines pick up the slack so they've developed so he's not afraid to throw the the magnets around and I think it's really benefited uh, Roval uh, I look at um, them they've got a uh, they've got uh, they've got a very tough three weeks coming oh, well they've got they've got uh, a relatively they've got in their last three games, they've got Blackburn, Vermont, and Doncaster to finish off the first half of the season. So it's a good little um, mid-season uh, test for for Roval, and I think they'll get a fair indication of where they are. They could probably finish where they could be six and five, or you know, seven and four come the mid-season break. And, heading into the second half of the season, they'll also, they'll draw, they'll get the tougher draw in the second half of because of where they finished last year. So they'll, they'll, they're sitting in a nice spot heading into the second part of the season.
3: Yeah, they are. And, and probably the other thing, Scott, is you know obviously they only lost the two games last year in the home and away season. I don't think anyone will have that record this year. Ball, and have only dropped one game at the moment, but um, even then I think they'll, they'll lose a couple. It's very even at the top, so... Um could you, you can certainly still get into a top two spot without having a you know a sort of a perfect record.
2: Okay, I'll th- I'll throw the question out to all three of you. Which side in this division we I said at the start of the year that when I was doing my prediction, I thought that Noble Park could go fifteen and three, right? Mm-hmm. As the as the top ranked side here in, into the finals. Which side do you think now, as the season as it stands now, is there how many sides do you reckon are going to finish? Is it going to be any side that finishes with a fifteen and three record?
0: I reckon there's one, Borwin. They've, you know, they've only lost the one game, and that was obviously Robbie Ross's two hundred. But yep. since a bit throughout the season, they've just been flawless. They've been able to get their best side on the park. I think they're probably the only option. Maybe East Ringwood, but probably Borwin.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think if you have to look at. So the way the ladder's playing out and I'd probably have to have a look at what ball and straw is after the second half. I haven't really looked at it to be perfectly honest. So they're probably the only one. But otherwise it's it's the it's really a tight competition this year.
2: I'm almost thinking, Ryan, that we could be seeing maybe one side like a ball and if they manage to hold their form mm-hmm. they could finish that. But a lot of the other sides could be twelve and six and eleven and seven. That's yep. why yeah. I'm thinking yeah. that's why I'm thinking ten and eight, right? For the sixth side might be a might be a, the bottom benchmark to yep. actually get into a final considering where 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 the ladder is now and then you look at a side like Norwood right who are sitting 4 and 4 Yep. right if they're going to finish 10 and 8 then they're going to win 6 out of
3: I th- yeah and I, I think it's great for the competition yeah that's, that what, have, I'm lo- that's what i'm loving you have noble park Norwood And even South Croydon sitting outside the the top six who are really, really, really strong sides.
2: And they were finalists last year, those three sides.
3: Yeah, so it's it's certainly going to be an interesting uh, second half of the year in Premier Division. Also, uh, East Ringwood defeated Blackburn 13-9, 87-10, 12-72.
2: Good game there. Yeah, great game Mm -hmm.
3: there um, between two top top four sides at the moment. I don't know if Blackburn are still in the four, but... Uh, really impressive there from East Ringwood to get back on track. James Below, best on ground again. Uh, mm. He's He's got to be close to, to leading the um, the uh, the Chandler medal this year because he's uh, pretty much been best on in all but, I think, one game.
2: I, I also think, even though Blackburn lost that game yesterday, um, look, they've they, probably, for the one... That, at the considering the start of the season, they've probably snuck under the radar, they a bit in the last month, but they've they've hit back with a vengeance, right? And I think that was um that that was a fifty-fifty game. They they were more than capable of winning that game yesterday. And all right, they went down by fourteen points. East Ring would have been the surprise packet because we didn't really know how their list was going to stack up against the. The Premier Division lists from previous years, obviously with ins and outs, but uh, East Ringwood, um, they're not a surprise packet now because they've proven that when they've been challenged by a good side, they can still respond and that's a sign of a good side.
3: Yeah, definitely. And also Baker, they're kicking full goals for Blackburn, so that's probably his best game uh, this season so far. Um, Very impressive. There. Let's jump into the ladder for Premier Division. It's not quite updated on game day yet, so I'll sort of edit it as we go along. Baldwin on top, uh, East Ringwood there in second. I believe Vermont should be third with yep. uh, six wins. Then Blackburn, I think I got it. Doncaster East, Roville all with five wins, uh, and alongside N- Noble as well. And then you've got Norwood, South Croydon, Berwick, Doncaster Park Orchards. Yep. Um, I believe that's right. I'm editing as we go, (laughs) so apologies if I did make any mistakes there. Uh, Let's jump into Division 1. A couple of interesting results. Um, South Belgrave, 14-16, 100 defeated Cruden, 9-9-63. Nine in a row for South Belgrave. Can't remember the last time they lost. It was against Mulgrave later in uh, last year, so they've had an incredible run. Um, Taylor Garner kicked four goals. Smith was listed best on, kicking three. All three Garners playing. Um, and they defeated Croydon who... Pretty competitive for a half, and then fell away later on. But um, a good win, Scotty.
1: Yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, with that Croydon would have been probably thinking, "Geez, we've we've got our mojo back." They were leading um, at the at the first change by twelve points at the end of the first quarter. Then to only kick one goal three by the end of the third quarter, they probably have to be scratching their heads a little bit as to say what happened. But South Belgrave, a quality quality opposition, but and, still.
0: And if you include the back end of last year, it's it's fifteen in a row for for South Belgrave. They won their last six games. Last year, and they've won their first nine games here. It's <laughs> well, have we got tonsils
1: under those stats? Yeah. there? Like, <laughs> how many wins? And you know, talking about it, so. I'm
2: actually comparing South Belgrave to the Amy Carrad with Patrick Dangerfield. In <laughs> it. When as they're getting older, when am I going to call me? When are we going? <laughs> the other sides are thinking, when are they going to lose a game? Yeah. Call me. <laughs> and they had
1: it, uh, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like it's a, it's a. They were obviously. In a in a sort of position, there where Croydon, you know, came out, you know, firing from the the week before, and then to bounce back like that, it's a, a huge result. And who have they got next week? South got... Does it no- matter? Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: They've got North, North Ringle Ringlead Ringlead out and Quambie reserves,
1: and they touched them up last time too. <laughs> and then into and in, then into into Montreux. Ab-
2: admittedly, going. they. Uh, no disrespect to North Ringwood, but they've made life very difficult for the visiting sides this year and been no, able to keep them to, to low scores. But I just don't think they'll be able to keep... No. Um, I don't think they'll be able to keep South Belgrave to 60 points next and
3: week. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It'd be a tough R, especially with all now, three Garners and...
2: Right, Smithy. that's what I was just going to say, right, when we are talking about this yesterday. If you are Croydon yesterday, you, you, you're just thinking... Bloody hell! We've just won a game of football, and now we're and now we're f- now we're confronted by the Garners and and Liam Kidd coming back into the side. You're fed he's Yeah, it's, it's pretty
3: pretty rough. Uh, you, you get your season back on track, and then you've got to take on South Belgrave w- undefeated and, what, with and full strength.
2: And what and what a time for Liam Kidd to actually come back into the side. An absolute absolute ball magnet in the in the midfield when he gets his fitness levels up. He's as good as he's as good as midfielder as you're <laughs> going to get in this division. He'll he'll tell them up. Mate. It's,
3: it's 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 actually a, a scary side of just how good this side is at full strength and sitting nine zero going into the Can break. It's it's been a phenomenal start.
2: Now, Ryan, do you think if if they happen to win the? The, the grand final this year. Do you think that the league might just turn around and make a quick rule change oh, well, and say, no, you can go up?
3: <laughs> Doncasteries Don had to do the, the double of one at back-to-back in I know, one.
2: but I'm just wondering whether... The other clubs, the other nine clubs. Oh, might, for the other, cl- <laughs> they might call an extraordinary meeting and ask the club, do You think you I might, think you might consider putting South Belgrave up? <laughs> well, they'll be if
3: they if they win it this year and and go. Oh, we're getting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they're going, going, it is halfway. It'd be
0: back to back to back, which is quite remarkable yeah, to think if
3: they do. And we
0: we will
3: jump into uh, <laughs> Ringwood as we mentioned just before. Very very competitive on the road this time, and they've mm-hmm. had a couple of um, big losses uh, away from home, but uh, 10-10-70, the Devils defeated the Saints 8-9-57. Um, that game at North Ringwood led at half-time. Uh, one turn South got out to a bit of a lead there, but... Uh, Credit to North Ringwood to to sticking with them, Scott, and um, uh, th- they'll take plenty from it.
1: Oh, it's just it's probably been my being my bonnet about w- one turner South again in that last quarter. Like they only <laughs> kicked three points in that last quarter. Again, they make the score look flattering for other sides. They probably dominated the whole game, which yep. you know by the looks. Well, it, at halftime, North Ringwood were were in the contest. They were winning by two points, and they probably felt they did enough. But I, I just feel like one turner. They really need to put sides away. I just want to see them. Berry sides in that last quarter and because you know when it does come to finals and it is a tighter game and they're up against quality opposition they can't they can't let these last quarters sort of just be like oh well we're, we've, we've got this you know what i mean so that's the only thing i'd like to see they get the four points so who, who really cares but, are, you, are
2: yeah. you sort of referring to the fact i think i know where i can sense the source of your frustration there because they had a golden opportunity to put montrose away yeah. and they let them back into the contest on on game day and since since then, they've just they've. They I'm not saying, I'm not saying they've plateaued, but I agree with you. They've been in positions when you look at the scores, like you've said, and they haven't put them away. And sometimes you, you've got to develop a bit of a killer instinct. And if you're constantly giving the opposition a, a, a just a, a just little a glimmer, glimmer of hope. Right, that sows a seed of doubt. Uh, of course it does. And I don't know how that last quarter
1: started, the Norton came out and kicked the, the goal or how it, how it sort of played out. But, yeah, it was that game. And I did speak about that on the on the Sunday as well. I probably had a, a little whinge then as well because I think they're, they're a quality side one to south, <laughs> And they will side. be playing yeah. finals, no doubt. No doubt about that. And I just want to see them sort of, yeah, get, to, get a real sort of killer instinct and show teams that if you let it lapse against us, because they, they can, they can... Win obviously. I just yeah. I just would like to see that.
3: Yeah, and they've look. they've had a couple. Their losses were all by close margins. You mm-hmm. know, South Belgrave and, and Mitchum as you said, with a a seven goal last quarter to the Tigers. So, yeah, you, you can certainly see them being a, a real threat come yep. um, September, and certainly a side to to look out for. Another one to really look out for is Mitchum Uh, Another big win yesterday. 15-12, 102. Very interesting here for Basel. Five goals, 20. Uh, Five, 20, 50. Very... Odd, but from all reports, it was a, a very one-sided contest. At halftime, it was sixty-seven to thirteen. Uh, the the Tigers too good. A Cowman kicked three. Fulton, Lovell, Cherry, Lachlan all kicked two. Uh, Lovells had a really really strong start to the season. Um, even when we watched them in the uh, game against South Belgrave, and then all single goal kickers for Bayswater. When but the
2: wind blows, at Mitchum it blows. Doesn't well,
3: it? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's. Where do you want to do? You want to start with Mitchum or Bayswater here because. Bays would have dropped off in the last few weeks after <laughs> being really impressive. Uh, that game against North Ringwood, they win that. They'd be sitting in the top five. And now they're um, sitting uh, third last with the three wins, Josh, and probably not where they'd want to be.
0: Yeah, I'd, especially after that, I think it was three- or four-week patch where they were able to, to win, to get close to South Belgrave and, and defeat, obviously, Lilydale Moorbuck and Croydon. But I think it's... <sighs> You know, it's been slight. Their, their kicking has gone a bit bad the the last couple of weeks. Like when they lost to North Ringwood, it was six six, and it was eight nine against Swanbourne South, and then it's just ballooned up to five twenty against at least, Richmond.
1: At least they've had the scoring shots, like twenty five yeah. scoring shots. And, and <laughs> again, if they kick, say even that they just kick three goals, it makes the scoreline. Again, a little bit more flattering yeah. in the in the eye, um, but yeah, not not what you want in in well the, sort of trying to find a winning score.
2: They beat Croye hundred and twenty one sixty four. Yep, they've lost to North Ringwood away by a point, and then they lost by forty odd points to one turner South at home last last week. They kicked five dollars twenty again away yesterday. Mark Hardy must be ripping his hair out about wondering can out can my guys. Do they know how to kick goals?
3: Mm. Uh, but yeah, and it's right. I mean, you, you just can't. You can't five, win games let's be honest, come five, on,
2: five goals, twenty. And I look, I, I look, inaccuracy is is always part and parcel of yeah. of football. But I think there's always what I call an acceptable tolerance of
3: that's go- past your tolerance <laughs> level. Yeah,
2: yeah, with goals to behinds ratio. And I'm always thinking it's got to be at least a... It has to be a 75-25 mix. It can't be a 25-75 because you're not going to yeah. win a game.
3: And, and in saying that, because when a kicks five goals, 20, you, you think, oh, well, if they kick straight, maybe this, they're in this contest. Yes, they weren't. They, I mean, they, they kicked eight goals, eight behinds in the last quarter when it was already you know well and truly over. And to, to have one goal to 10... At half time. clearly this was a, a dominant performance from Mitchum, and we've got to give them, you know, a lot of credit because now they've uh, back into almost full strength, Scott, with with a lot of players coming back in the last few weeks. Um, they, they've certainly now become probably the the second fiddle to to South Belgrave as the um, as the season goes by
1: yeah they definitely sit up there high their, their scoring is exceptional in their percentage I think if that's current 126 is their their percent yeah. uh, that? Uh, for Mitchum. so I, I think you know they're finding yeah the form it'll go into I take it they've got the break next week I'm just trying to get my fixture up to date um, but yeah look there I, I think they have they would have have to have yeah. won that. like when you were looking at on paper against Bayswater I would have I would have picked them to yeah. to win it they won it probably yeah probably more comfortably than than what I thought but they're playing just as good as footy and they they're showing that they're yeah they're definitely going to be up there as the, as probably the top 2
3: definitely and and Josh probably you know uh, a few weeks ago they were sort of they were they were doing enough to get the job against uh, you know Lilydale and Croydon and they winning by sort of 20 points but the last couple of weeks is where they've really put the the Um, the foot down on the neck and and, um, slaughtered some sides.
0: Yeah, and that's because of the likes of, you know, Nick coming back into the lineup and and really helping, really boosting that midfield, and they're still missing, you know, Jake Perenti, obviously, still on the side. he comes back in,
2: if he comes back in,
0: they're a genuine threat. Yeah, Alex Barton-Smith as well, and then one of their big recruits, Byron Wright, who had a, a good start to the season. They're still missing a heap of players, so it's not a full strength, which is pretty scary as well.
3: Is that the one thing they're missing? If Parenty comes in, do you, can they win the flag without him? And
2: No. Do you I
3: think they – because you, you look at South Belgrave, they've got all those options up forward yeah. and we watch them uh, play each other not that long ago.
2: They might need to have a couple of garners out and a Parenti in. It's going to come down to – I think it's going to come down to if they can get him in and find a way to get him in because they're going to need – they can't just actually – they're going to have to try and get him if – He's got to play some games leading into a final, depending on whether he's playing regular football on a weekly basis outside. So if they can get him in, and um, South Belgrave have a couple of key injuries, that could be the the only way. But yeah. that being said, Mitchum... Mitchum are clearly the second best side in this competition.
3: Yeah, I think so. Uh, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and moving on to the last game, obviously Moorbach and Montrose play next week at Heights Reserve, so just the four games yesterday. Do we
2: have, could, do we have to address ele- the elephant in the room now? What's <laughs> the elephant in the room? The elephant in the room is the beaconsfield Lilydale game. Yes,
3: well, that's what we're about to, to touch on here. 10-9, 69, the Eagles. Lilydale five behinds. Did not kick a goal yesterday afternoon. Um... Bit of a uh, a surprise there. Um,
2: I think Luke McCormick would be absolutely mortified by that.
3: Yeah, yeah, certainly. uh, For Beacon Sealed, White kicked three goals, the rest single goal kickers. McPherson listed their best player, and Hickleton listed as Lilydale's best player. That's. you know i would certainly for a division 1 side to not kick a goal i don't know when or i don't know Can't if you remember <laughs> but they're not but on the time. other
2: hand i rather the thing is look beacon'sfield needed to win that game because they their recent form in, in recent times there since johnson hasn't played for them and gone to the vfl right their goal kicking their their ability to kick good scores has sort of dropped mm-hmm. a little bit with obar o- is it okay okay Oka, Oka. who's had to pick up the slack and, and has so, but you know, but for and so that was a bit of a reward for Beaconsfield. And one of my main concerns yesterday was the fact that if Lily Lily Duller and very much the same boat as what Clint Evans was saying about his Berwick side, mm-hmm. a very very young side whose performances are going to fluctuate from from week to week. And you're gonna see some you're gonna see some inordinary or unordinary scores, right, coming from those performances. I don't think we can really judge Lily Dale based on that performance. It's just a it's just been a bad day at the office for them. I think so, yeah. Um, and the thing is the week before they kicked seventy points against South Belgrave. So they it just shows you the vagaries of you know, of not having a an experienced side, Josh.
0: Yeah, and I think conditions out there wouldn't have been the greatest down at Home Park because no. that can get pretty. It, from from what I've heard, that can get pretty rough as well out there. It's a great ground, but it can still be pretty rough.
2: I also think because Home Ground is such a big ground, if you've got such a young group, mm-hmm. Lilydale's basically a postage stamp because it's a it's a yeah. show ground, right? So they wouldn't be tr- they wouldn't have trained on a ground like Home Park, and they have probably in all essences they probably weren't able to handle the ground conditions because they probably didn't have no. the fitness, you know, to run that game out.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's hard. And obviously, as you mentioned, form will fluctuate with young sides. And certainly when you play, uh, you know, a really good team in Beaconsfield, and they are a great team, the Eagles. So it, it can certainly, if you're a little bit off, it can certainly mm. open up like that. It, it's surprising not to see a kicking goal. Um yeah. But
2: I think the Four other quarters. But, but the thing on the other foot, though, Mick Fogarty, right, would be would want to have would want Beaconsfield to arrest the slide that they had because it's a good point, yeah. Because he wants to, he 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 has a bit of an expectation, and and rightfully so, that he wants to see that club move forward, right. So the thing is, they've got to respond from. Some from, from some lackluster performances and unfortunately for Lilydale they just happened to be in the firing line yesterday
3: yeah and, and also Scott it's they are the, i think the number one defense maybe the second defense but they're really strong in the in that area of the ground big field. but just for them um, very important to get a win after, as, as Brash said, a, probably a couple of tough weeks after a really good start to the season. Last week would have been disappointing against North Ringwood. So it gets them back on track and keeps them uh, a game clear in fifth spot.
1: Yeah, steadies the, um, steadies the ship for them, and, and that's probably what they're, they're after. Again, just like... Point of uh, St. So Lilydale, I think, it was just the off day. You look at their scores; they're averaging somewhere between probably 60 to 80 points most most times. So they would get that goal. But then, yeah, Beaconsfield after the break on um, on June the 17th, they're up against Mitcham at home. So it'll just be sort of where, where they sort of position themselves and how that game goes. Because like we said, Mitchum's probably that, the second sort of best side at, at the moment and, and letters showing that. So if Beaconsfield can find a way to win, that is a huge result.
3: Yeah, certainly, right. And they were pretty competitive. That They owned them in the second quarter the first uh, time they played them this year in round one and then just fell away. I think they lost yeah. by about five goals. So mm-hmm. interesting to see if they improve on that performance. Jumping into the ladder... Sitting on top, South Belgrave, two games clear with nine wins in second place. Mitcham there with the seven wins. One turn to South, Montrose, Beacon Sealed make up the five. Montrose obviously play next week, so they're a game behind in sixth spot. North Ringwood with four wins. Uh, Murrubach there in seventh. Again, they play Montrose next week, so a game behind. Uh, Bayswater, three wins. Croydon, two wins. And then on the bottom there, little Dale yet to win from nine games. Just quickly does anyone see that top five I, I think the <laughs> positions may move around but can anyone see uh, make a case for North Ringwood Moorbark, or Bayswater sneaking into the top five or are uh, we looking at probably probably the almost set
0: I reckon they do have cases North Ringwood and Park. I think North Ringwood will only get better because they're still a pretty young side of Moorbark. Uh, I have my doubts just given if they lose players to injuries they, they don't really have the depth but I think I think yeah, that top five is said. It's just about where each team will position themselves. Brash.
2: I, th- I think, uh, I think it'll be. I, I think it'll be more definitive. I think it won't be settled to the end of round twelve
1: got it yeah and like I don't know it's hard hard read on Moorabark at the at the moment I think yeah they've they've lost those players and, and hence lost that lots that depth but you know they are a good side when they're when they're on it's just finding that form but they just haven't been able to find the win so can they close that gap I don't yeah I don't know uh,
2: the only thing I will say Ryan is that after round 12 right the top five will have to be sitting better than 50 50.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it'll be interesting. They're going to be obviously. better than 6-6. Six six. Yeah, and Moorabach next week. That, that game against Montrose, which we'll discuss on, on Friday, will be a really interesting one because if, if Moorabach pinch that, if you, then there'll be more question marks about Montrose yep. and, and <laughs> then you start to look at Moorabach as a, a big chance this year. But uh, that's all done for our Sunday podcast. We've done a, a fair... I think over an hour and a half here of, of all the yeah, different As as I waffle on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, not not bad at all. Cheating. Great
0: discussion. Absolutely.
3: <laughs> be, thanks for joining in. Um, uh, Josh and Scott, are we seeing you back next week or Yeah, I'll, be, ba- I'll be back.
0: I think we're out of Baldwin Park. We public. are at Baldwin for yeah. the
3: baldwin Noble Park game. Yeah, so
0: definitely looking forward to that clash. Two sides. They're coming to the game in pretty good form. I, I reckon we're in for a ripper.
1: Pro- probably not at the moment. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard, a hard time Dad to find. Or? yeah, hard time to find, and money's coming in from elsewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> and brash.
2: Yep, looking forward to next Sat. Uh, next Saturday, um, for me, it's it's more about Noble Park next Saturday than what it mm-hmm. is board.
3: Yeah, we'll see what they can bring, because I think they're playing probably the best side in the competition at the moment uh, in Ballwin. But until then, uh, we'll see you next time, and, and thanks for listening in today.
4: Have so much space. And uh, O'Regan,
1: probably just outside his distance, oh. although he's made a fool of me there. Beautiful kick. What a season he's had, Mark O'Regan. He puts through... Okay, bursting
2: through, burns off one, kicks around the corner. He's oh. the goal! Toby! go of the day content